Before we get started, I have a prayer request. Um, as many of you know, if you've been here a while, you know that each year I take a, a study leave where I go to be alone uh, for silence and solitude and prayer, just thinking about sermons and things that we will go through together during the coming year. And so I will leave today to go do that. And I would appreciate your prayers this week as I spend that time considering uh, what the Lord might put on my heart for our church uh, family. Um, and especially this year, my mom is having uh, a fairly significant surgery on Tuesday. So I'm torn in knowing that this is something I need to do, but I care for my family. So pray for her and pray for me and my ability to focus my attention there while I'm also concerned for her and uh, her well-being. So we'll entrust her to the Lord and know that she's in good hands. So if you would join me in praying with that, I, I would appreciate it. I also want you to indulge me a little bit. Um, the uh, sermon series that we began uh, several weeks ago was looking at the birth announcements of Jesus. <laughs> and it'd be real easy just to skip over that last one and move on to something new, but I really hate to do that because it's too rich to just pass over and not consider uh, what these four birth announcements have to say. So we're going to finish that up this morning, if you don't mind, and we're going to look at that passage uh, with each other. Now, let me kind of bring you up to speed on where we have been. We began with Joseph and the dream that he had where the angel announced to him that the child Mary was carrying was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The angel goes on to, to tell Joseph that this would be the promised Messiah from the line of David who came to save his people from their sins. And his mission would be embedded in his name. Remember that? Yeshua, Jesus. It means the Lord saves. We learn that when Joseph woke up from that dream, he immediately changed his plans and instead of divorcing Mary, he takes her to be his wife to protect her and to love her and to care for her. We then go on and learned of the announcement given to Mary through the angel Gabriel. And we learned that Gabriel uh, reinforced many of the things that the angel told Joseph in his dream. But he also goes on to, to tell us more. We learned that the child that Mary carried would be what the angel called a holy offspring. And when Elizabeth makes the announcement to Mary, we understand more of what that means because she said, Mary, you will be the mother of my Lord. So we learn that that holy offspring meant that Jesus was God incarnate. Our Emmanuel, God with us. And as amazing as those two announcements were to Mary and Joseph, they, Mary and Joseph, were amazed even more when they heard the prophecy of Simeon. Remember, he's the one that announced that Jesus would be the Savior of the world. Not just the Jews. That's why it was so amazing to, to Mary and Joseph to understand the, the scope of salvation that would come through Jesus the Messiah. It tells us that he would be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. He would reveal to them the truths hidden from those outside of the covenant, that they would be made known to all the world. That he'd be the glory of Israel. Why? Because the Savior would come from among the Jews. And then this morning we're going to hear one final announcement from, from Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. So before we look at that together, let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Father, we agree together as a church family that this is too good to pass up. These announcements that were divinely appointed to speak truths about who Jesus is and what he came to do are so critically important for us to know and to understand. So as we take a look at this final announcement this morning, would you really open our eyes to see things fresh and new, to really be moved by the testimony of your word in ways that changes how we live, that we be impacted by it at deep, heartfelt levels, life-changing ways. That's our prayer this morning. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So before we look at this announcement by Zacharias, we need to understand a little bit of a backstory. Zacharias was actually visited by an angel just like Mary. In fact, it was the very same angel, the angel Gabriel. And, and Gabriel announced to Zacharias that he and his wife, Elizabeth, would miraculously have a child. It, it was miraculous because both of them were well past childbearing years, so physiologically, it was impossible. But the angel Gabriel goes on to tell uh, Zacharias that they would, in fact, have a child, and it would be a son. And, and when this son was born, he was to name him John. Gabriel went on to describe John's divinely appointed mission. He tells Zacharias that he will be a forerunner to the Messiah. That John would actually be the one who prepared the way of the Lord by calling people to repentance. Because you see, God knew that unless people understood the reality of their sin, they would not long for a Savior. And so that's why John came to prepare the way of the Lord. That was his mission, to make ready the way of the Lord. Now, as you might expect, all this was too much for Zacharias to get his head around. I mean, he's had a, a promise of a son well past childbearing years. He, he's given a, a name of this son. He's been visited by an angel. And so how could all this be true? And he began to question whether this was possible. And in his doubting, he asked for a sign. Somehow to prove that what he just said was reliable. So Gabriel said, okay, I'll give you a sign. In this moment, you will not speak and you will not hear. He immediately went deaf and mute. <laughs> that was the sign. Now, we don't know exactly how all these things transpired, but very likely it would have looked something similar to this. Take a look at this video. What do you mean you can't speak? You put that down and talked to me, Zachariah. You went to the temple to burn incense, and now you can't speak. Hmm. Because you doubted. <laughs> what does that even mean? You doubted what an angel told you. Oh, now it's all making sense. <laughs> Are you feeling all right? Huh? Maybe you should sit down. Oh, I should sit down. Listen, whatever game you're playing, I really wanted to stop, Zachariah. It isn't funny. This isn't funny, Zachariah.
An angel told you this. The angel said that our prayers have been heard. That you, my love, will bear a son. That we will be filled with joy and gladness. And that many will rejoice at his birth. like Elijah. He will prepare our people for the Lord. <laughs> what am I going to do? Oh, I'm too old to be a mother. And you, you can't even speak. You can't even speak until he's born. <laughs> oh, that might not be the worst thing. <sighs> I can't wait to tell my cousin Mary. Call him Zachariah, yes? Well, that's the backstory. Now let's look at our passage. Turn to Luke chapter 1. And look with me in verse 57. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it came about that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. And his mother answered and said, No, indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, There's no one among your relatives who's called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet, and he wrote it as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. They were astonished. Maybe they were astonished because this elderly couple was holding their very own child, an infant, in their arms. Maybe they were astonished because of the name this child was given. and A name that broke with the tradition of family. A name much like the name Jesus that came with a message. John means gracious. The Lord is gracious and truly he was because he has graciously given this couple barren 
to this day? A child, a son. But he was also gracious because this child was given to the people of Israel to prepare a way. He sent John in grace so that we wouldn't miss the message of the one he came before. If you've ever been to a, a banquet or maybe a New Year's Eve party in recent days, you know if you have a lot of people, it's really noisy and there's lots of conversations going on. And if you have something you want to say, if you try to just begin talking so that everybody will hear you, you get nowhere, right? Nobody's going to hear a word you say. So in settings like that, what a lot of times people will do is take a glass and, and tap on it to kind of ring or whistle or something. But what you're trying to do is get everybody's attention if what you have to say is really important. You don't want anybody to miss it. Well, John was God's way of tapping on the glass. It was his way of getting everybody's attention so that they didn't miss the message of the Messiah. The words of Jesus that would come from what John prepares them for. John was God's way of tapping on the glass. And look at how he continues in verse 64. And at once his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he, Zechariah, began to speak in praise of God. And fear came on all those living around them, and all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them kept them in mind, saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly upon him. Well, God wanted to get everybody's attention. It seems as if that's happening. This birth became the talk of town. Everybody wanted to know what was going to become of this child from Zacharias and Elizabeth. In curiosity, that was peaked when all of a sudden, as fast as he lost his speech and his hearing, he regained it. All of a sudden, he could, he could speak. And I want you to notice that the very first words out of his mouth were what? Praise to God. The first words out of his mouth. Praise to God. He didn't try to explain what had happened. He didn't complain or tell God how unfair it was to take away his speech and his hearing. No, he gave praise to God. And it says that fear came over all those who heard. Why, why fear? What would he have said that would have created that response? Well, I believe their fear was based on an awareness, because of what it says here, that God was at work. There was something big going on here. After all, here they are looking at really a miraculous child having been announced by an angel who was preparing a way for the Lord, the promised Messiah. There's a, a lot that is happening. And their response was fear. God was at work. And the question is, what's he going to do? Is this going to be judgment? I mean, look at Zacharias. He's a priest. He's a righteous man. And what happened to him? He went deaf and mute in an instant. If that's what happens to him, what about regular people? What's going to happen to them? I don't know about you, but 
when I start to play out scenarios in my mind about things that are possible in the future, I often focus on one particular scenario. The worst case scenario. <laughs> that's where my mind often goes, and I think that's sort of where their mind is going, and that's the basis of their fear, because what they're trying to do is make sense of all that is happening from their own mental capacities. And that only leads you to a bad place because your finite mind cannot comprehend an infinite God. Instead, the only place that you find peace is when you put yourself in a place of trusting the Lord. Even though you can't explain what's going on, you believe that He's ultimately in control. So being filled with the Spirit, Zacharias speaks to the crowd. And I want you to notice as we look at his words how much time he spends talking not about his own son, but about Jesus himself. Now John is important, but only because of the one who comes after him. His message will point people to the promised Messiah, not himself. Even John will say in the midst of his ministry, he, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. You see, the answer to what God is doing is found in Jesus. And if you miss that, it really doesn't matter what John has to say because everything he says will point to Jesus. And the key to understanding what Zacharias will now say to the crowd who has gathered is to center on the key of this promise of salvation. And I want you to notice as we begin reading this together that that promise, that there's a, a certainty to it. Let me show you what I mean. Look at verse 67. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord of Israel. For he has visited us and has accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. Did you notice the verbs that were used by Zacharias in this statement? They're all what's called perfect tense verbs. That verb that describes something that has happened in the past, that is still happening in the present, and will be ongoing in the future. In other words, it's always has been, and it always will be. And, and he's making this announcement before the day that Jesus was even born. And he's saying, it's here. And that's because Jesus is not a new idea. It's been the plan all along, even before the world began. If you were here on Christmas Eve, you know that's what we talked about, right? Before there was an earth in the solar system. Before there were trees and streams and mountains. Even before the day God breathed life into the lungs of Adam. The plan was already in place. That's why you can be certain. Because there's never been another way. The plan has always been centered on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Yesterday... Today and forever. It's always been the plan. You see, the basis of that promise was found in something that God's people would have known well. And 
Zacharias explains that as he continues. Look at verse 70. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy towards our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. God has always delivered his people who put their trust in him. Always. Now, they didn't always know how, but that was never part of the deal. The only thing that God required is that you believed that he would provide a way. That he was faithful. And so when the Israelites were trying to escape from the Egyptians and they were pinned up against the Red Sea, I promise you they weren't thinking, oh, I know what God will do. He'll part the Red Sea and we'll walk on dry land. Now they were scared to death. And the only hope they had is if they believed that God was faithful and that he would provide a way, just like he promised. Didn't know how, they just believed that he would. Or what about when the Israelites were marching around Jericho? There wasn't anybody standing up saying, I bet if we do this long enough, the walls will actually fall down. Nobody said that. The only reason that they could do what they were doing is if they believed that God was faithful and that he would provide a way. Even when it comes to the Messiah, there was, there was a, a lot of times where there wasn't a, a clear understanding of, of exactly when it would happen, of, of how it would happen. And I feel certain that most people did not expect that the Savior would come as a servant. That he would come and sacrifice his life on a cross. But you see, God never requires us to understand exactly how he's going to do something. He only asks that we trust that he will. That he will provide a way. And that was the same yesterday as it is today and forever will be. What Zacharias is announcing is that Jesus is the way. This is the answer to God's promise. He's the one that will destroy the enemy of sin and restore our relationship with God just as he promised. He's the way of deliverance. He's the path that God has chosen, fulfilling his promise. Look at how he continues in verse 76. And you, child, speaking of John, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high shall visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way what a beautiful message. John was born with a mission to prepare the way of the Lord. It was a gracious gift from God because he didn't want anybody to miss it. It was his way of getting everyone's attention so they had the best possible chance to hear what Jesus had to say. But the message of John was a hard one. 
Okay? It, was a, it was a call to repentance. It was the recognition of sin. And I promise you, that sermon was no more popular back then as it is today. But just as important for us now as it was back then is the realization that unless we recognize the reality of sin in our life, we simply do not long for a Savior. John was letting people know the reason Jesus came was forgiveness of your sin. And you don't long for that Savior unless you own it and realize that you need it. And that's why John ultimately came. Now, Jesus didn't come to be served. What does it say? But to, to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to seek and save those which were lost. He came so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's why Jesus came. So as you think about these four announcements that we've looked at, I want you to consider the wealth of information that are included in just those four announcements. In fact, I would go as far as to say this. If all you had were those four announcements, you would have a complete and clear picture of the gospel message of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. In those four announcements, it's all there. We learn that Jesus is the Messiah from the line of David, just as was promised, who came to save his people from their sins. He's God incarnate, our Emmanuel, God with us. He's the Savior of the world, the fulfillment of God's promise to provide a way. It's all in those announcements. But here's my question to you. Do you think that it's God's intent for us over the last several weeks to have looked at these four announcements and sat back to admire the beauty of those words, to, to, to pontificate on how impressive that must have been, as if it's not just as relevant in our world today. And so, with a heart of New Year's resolutions, can I suggest that we make one together? And here's what I would encourage us to do. Let's make a resolution. Let's make a commitment that we seek God's help in because we can't do it on our own. But here's what we're going to ask. Lord, help us to be more faithful in this new year to both live and proclaim the message of the gospel spoken in these announcements. Is that fair? What would it be like if there was as much excitement and anticipation with what we know took place during that time right here in our world today. And with all that's going on in our world, isn't this an important message for people to hear? So here's what I want to ask you to do just to finish up this morning. If someone were to ask you, what's so important about Jesus, what would you say? How would you reflect on your own life and be able to answer that question because of what's taking place in your heart. So that you're not speaking about something that you don't have experience with, but you know because of what's taking place in your own life. Now, I'm not asking for a theological treaty, okay? I'm talking one or two sentences. I want you to think about it. 
because we're going to start this morning. And I'm going to ask you that question. What's so important about Jesus? Now, what's your answer? Just raise your hand and I'll call on you. Yeah. It's a good answer. Who else? Godfrey. The word of life. Who else? Lisa. He changes everything. Makes all things what? New. Fresh starts. What else? Ron. Yeah. My wife and I were talking this week about a statement we heard someone make that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. That's what you just said. We're not here to live this good moral life on our own uh, ability so that people respect us. We're here to proclaim a message that we were dead in our sins, but we have been made alive together with Christ. That's our message. Yes, sir. Yes, he did. From the mouths of babe, the truth of God. He died for our sins. Don you. Yeah, he took God's wrath upon himself so that we could be the righteousness of God in him. Right? Doug. He restores the relationship that we were created for to begin with. Sin is what separates us from God. And when you remove the barrier of sin, you restore the relationship with God. The relationship that we were all com- uh, uh, created for to begin with. Anyone else? I think you get the idea, right? And let me remind you again, it's not just in what we say, but it's also in how we live so that our lives give testimony of the truths we proclaim. We don't want those to be two separate and distinct things where we say one thing and then live something different as if it really isn't our own personal experience. Okay? So the announcement that you make is not only with your mouth. It's with your life. And you make that announcement every day. Even if you don't speak it. So let's just be committed this next year to living out the promise through God's help of being more faithful to proclaiming the message of the gospel in how we live and in what we say. Amen? Let me pray for us. God, I'm grateful for this time together, for the gift of those announcements and how rich they were. (laughs) You knew that in just a few words, you would communicate the very heart of the message of the gospel that everyone needs to hear. And so, Father, as we think about those words in the past, may we not relegate them to the past, but instead... Speak them just as importantly in our world today. Not just by what we say, but in how we live. May we do so boldly, with great joy and hope that is ultimately found in you. Father, we recognize that we live in a world where there's a lot of hopelessness, there's a lot of despair, 
And the reality of sin could not be more clear. But where there is sin, there is a great need for a Savior. And so may we announce the truth that He has come and that He will come again. And that salvation is found through faith in Him alone. Help us to be faithful to continuing the commitment of this promise. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a great day.